We're going uh, this evening. I don't know how preachy I'm going to be. I have made several promises to um, those that have rule in my life, like my mom, that uh, I won't get up there and preach hard. And I told her, she told me that this morning. I was leaving the church, and she was coming in to pray. And she was like, I don't, don't you be up there preaching hard. I said, no worries, Mom. I usually don't. And so we're just going to. We're just going to talk to you tonight a little bit. I don't feel uh, I don't feel real, real super preachy. Um, even if I hadn't been through what I had the last several days, I just I want to talk to you from my heart, and I believe God's going to help us. In the book of Isaiah, where we've been this week, the fifty-eighth chapter. I'd like for us to just read our focus verse together. And while you're turning there to Isaiah 58 and 11, I want to say how grateful I am for uh, this church family and for your faithfulness. And I want to say how thankful I am for Bishop and the preaching that he has done and all that have stepped up while we've been absent. Thank you so much. I said at home Sunday night, um, we, we actually ran into some folks on the way after church. We ran and got an Arby sandwich, and I sat at home thinking to myself, what do I need to do to be sure that I don't have empty chairs? I don't, I don't know what all I've got to do to be sure that I don't have empty chairs, but Brother Jordan, you challenged this church, and you challenged me. Thank you for the word of God. That was. It's just that easy to neglect it and leave it out. Man, I don't want it. Praise God. 58 and 11 of Isaiah, if you're there, say amen. And the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought. Make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters fail not. This random verse in the middle of this chapter, when you understand the context of it, kind of makes you raise your eyebrows. Is there anybody in here that enjoys fasting? I've never enjoyed killing my flesh. And the thing about fasting is you never have to remind yourself that you're fasting. When you get about 15 hours into a 24-hour fast day, and some well-meaning person that has not brought you food in six months calls and says, I'm on my way with a pie. You don't have to remind yourself that you're fasting. And the context of this chapter is that the Lord is trying to draw his people back to him and uses fasting as the tool to accomplish that. And he says to them, when you fast with the right motives, that I'm going to guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought, make fat your bones 
And you're going to be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters fail not. I've never felt like a watered garden while I was fasting. So if I don't feel that way in my flesh, it must mean it's working in my spirit. And that God's doing things that I can't see. So what I'm saying to you is it's the deeds done in our flesh that make the biggest difference in the world that we cannot see. And so God's going to help us tonight. You can be seated. I'm just going to talk to you for a few minutes. Without boring you to death tonight, I just want to talk to you about the journey that we're on right now. And I want you to understand from the heart of your pastor that this is not a time for games for playing with God. It's not a time to be trying to decide whether or not doing the will of God in your life is a necessity. It's time to go ahead and get over that and just commit to the fact that what you're doing right now is necessary before God. What we're doing in this house right now is necessary before God. It is a necessary thing for us to be committed to the plan of God. I am uh, I'm going to walk tonight softly because I know that we have some watching and some here that may not fully understand where I'm coming from and I don't want to sound like that we're, we've jumped off in the deep end of the cuckoo pool. But I want to tell this church that if our eyes have ever been opened before, to the spirit realm that's around us. I believe God has shown me some things over the last few days that to be quite honest with you, I would have been a little happier had I not seen. But the truth is, you can't become unsensitive to the Holy Ghost when you have your spirit open to God. And I do want to tell you that I was very, very ill. I was very sick. My sickness went beyond what I had expected it to do. It took a lot of wind out of my sail. My wife could tell you it was, a, it was a long few days. And so we did what we felt was best by just staying home and isolating ourselves from everybody to be sure that we didn't put anybody in harm's way. And I think that that was the right decision. And I would encourage you to do the same if you feel like you're sick at all because we're going to make it through this thing. But I want to tell you why it is so important for you to guard yourself right now and to be very, very careful. I have been now dealing with the weight of leading this church through uh, deep waters that I've never been in for several months. And uh, it's been a spiritual journey, kind of an uphill climb through this whole process. But when I got weak in my body and didn't really feel like I, I had a lot of strength to fight is when I began to engage in the deepest spiritual warfare that I have been in since this sickness hit uh, the world. And the enemy caught me in a place where I think he felt like his job was already done and taken care of and that he was coming against my body and my mind 
with no pushback. But what he does not realize is that the body of Christ is so strong together when we stand together. And every prayer that you prayed for me, you weren't just praying for my body, but you were praying for a man who has been in war for, I believe, for my life. And I'm not saying the sickness tried to take my life. I'm just saying to you, we're in the fight of our lives right now. And this is a very dark hour. And I was wrestling with some things. And I felt God relieve me of some pressure. And it's going to be a little emotional for me to tell it to you this way. Because I don't want to ever want to come across to you as insensitive. But in fighting and wrestling, I would wake up in the night and... There would be things going on in the spirit. And then during the daytime when I could process what was going on, God would speak to me and deal with me. And I started thinking of people right now that we've been trying to drag along for a long time to serve God, to love God, be faithful to God. And how much weight that was. And the Lord just spoke to me. He said, you got to lay that down, son. I said, I don't understand, Lord. It's what we're here to do. He said, no, it's not what you're here to do. And I've come to set some people free tonight. I want you to listen to pastor. I'm fixing to set you free. It's a scary place to be in when you want somebody to serve God more than they want to serve God. You can't make somebody want heaven more for themselves than you want them to want heaven. And the hour that we're in right now, the things that we have seen in the spirit... I can't even talk to you about it without weeping. But the things that we have seen in the Spirit have let me know more than I've ever known in my life. That we are living as close to the coming of the Lord as you could ever imagine. And we don't have time in this hour to stand in the pulpit and beg with people to get a hunger in your heart to serve God. We don't have time to beg and plead with people and preach and convince you that prayer is a necessity. We don't have time to convince you, as was Isaiah in this chapter, the Lord speaking through him, that fasting is a necessity. It's the things that we neglect in our flesh that are causing us the greatest spiritual discomfort. We have spent a lifetime in this city investing and preaching and preaching. And I want you to think about the nature of the church if you've been around for very long, you'll hear through the years preachers say things like, oh, I long for the day that we can preach to the sinner and we're not constantly preaching to the saint to repent and get their heart right with God. Think about how much time we spend in Pentecost reaching for the cold and indifferent saint that has decided in their heart today they have enough time to get right with God and that there's going to come a moment with them, whatever that moment looks like, where the switch comes on and they're finally going to decide, from this day on, I'm going to be faithful to God. And from this day on, I'm going to start praying. Whenever this happens in my life and that happens in my life and I don't have to work so much overtime and I don't have to do this and I don't do that, then I'm going to take the time then and get serious with this thing with God. Will you just listen to this preacher when I tell you tonight, I don't have time to convince you that this would be a good time for you to get your heart right with God and for you to get your soul squared up with God and for you to get yourself to a place where nobody has to convince you from week to week 
that Jesus is coming. I don't believe that we're in an hour right now where this is a good time for somebody to have to spend their time counseling with you and convincing you, oh, the hour is getting late. How much time have you spent counseling with people and saying to them, oh, hey, you better be careful. You need to come on to church. You need to get into the house of God. And this is all that I can tell you tonight. This is all I can tell you is that I feel like the train is starting to pull away. I feel like that the train is starting to slowly move and the wheels are beginning to turn. And I feel as I saw the train beginning to move that there were people standing on the sidelines and off in the distance watching and saying, before it catches too much steam, I'm going to get on board. Before it starts rolling too fast, I'm going to get on the train. But I'm telling you tonight, before you realize it, this thing is going to run off and leave you in the end time church. I am not not here tonight to convince you that Jesus is coming. If you're not convinced of that, I don't have the ability to convince you of that. I'm not here tonight to tell you that it's vitally important for you to get saved. If I can't convince you of that in the last six months, I sure can't do it tonight. But I'm reaching for somebody to tell you in the name of Jesus Christ with everything that is within me. We are approaching the rapture of the church. And we better get our eyes off of this world. And we better get our eyes off of the things that have intoxicated us and a love for this present world. Some of you are convincing yourself that when that lost loved one, that lost spouse, that lost uh, child, that lost whoever it may be finally comes to God, that you're going to get serious and come to grips with this thing. Well, I don't mean to sound crude tonight, and I sure don't want to be insensitive, but you listen to what I'm telling you, and I'm going to break it down as simple as I can. I have been with the Lord, and I don't... I don't feel like putting any sugar icing on the cake tonight all right is that okay and I just want to tell you tonight whether they're ever saved or not if they die and go to hell you've got to be saved and go to heaven We don't have time to wait on everybody else to decide that they're as desperate for God as we are. I was thinking to myself this week, Lord, I wish so bad every morning I'd get up every morning and wish I could come walk in this sanctuary. I'd get up every morning and think, oh God, if I could just get to my office today, God, if I could just get to that sanctuary, Lord, if there was any way today that I could lay down on the carpet of that sanctuary and just cry out to you. And I felt the Lord speak to me and say, and there's still people in Pentecost that are trying to figure out whether prayer is essential. I'm telling y'all, God's going to do something in here tonight. If this doesn't get people's attention, do you really think that a sermon will? I thought, Lord, you know what I need to do? I need to go to the church and I need to do a series on prayer. Because we don't ever preach on prayer. God knows that. Right? We preach on prayer nonstop. Now listen to me. I'm, I'm going to be straight with you tonight. I hadn't waited two weeks to preach to come over here and sugarcoat you tonight. 
the Lord just kind of knocked me back down. He wasn't being mean to me, but it's just the way that he talks to me. He said, all the things that are taking place in this world right now, and you think you can preach something good enough to convince people they need a prayer life. Is there anybody in here that's prayed scared in the last two months? Had a little bit of fear in your heart and just said, oh, God, don't let that happen to me. Yeah? You know what? There's a lot more people praying that way right now than there were praying before this happened. And we've got a, we've got a jacked up concept of what the end time church is going to look like. Because God has become our rescue plan that gets us out of all of our troubles. And there's going to come a day in our lives that we're going to have to come to grips with some ideas that trouble is not the only time to seek him. And that he's not just going to, every time we call out and say, okay, Lord, just take this virus out and get it out of the world. Just take this, take this trash and get it out of here. And the devils beat people's brains to death because they're saying, well, I, f I figured we had authority over it. Well, we do have authority over it. We have authority over all sickness because there's power in the name of Jesus. But why don't we have the authority to just call on this thing and it be gone like that? The very same reason that Jesus Christ does not openly manifest his glory. You know, when his glory is revealed, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. And so several years ago, I was thinking about the glory of the Lord. I said, well, hey, that sounds like end time revival right there. Just manifest your glory and everybody will bow and it's done. And the Lord spoke to me then very, very clearly. And he said, you don't understand when I openly manifest my glory, everybody bows, but it's not because they wanted to. They bow because they have to. They bow because once my glory is manifested in the earth and it covers the earth as the waters cover the sea, every knee bows and every tongue confesses. There's, but it's not because that was their desire. And so what we're looking at right now is we're looking right down the barrel of an end time uh, cataclysmic eschatological event that we have never ever seen anything like this in our lifetimes. And we're saying, oh dear God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And what we mean when we say that is, when's it going to be over? Am I telling the truth? What we're saying is, God, when's this going to stop? When are we going to start feeling normal again? When, when, are, we, when, when are we going to feel some sense of normalcy again? And so the Holy Ghost is asking this question right now. If you're praying more now than you were when it was normal, and you're more faithful now than you were before it was normal... Uh, back when it was normal, then why would the Lord lift this right now? Think about that, church. So let's just say he lifts it right now. We bind together in this room. This is going to sound crazy. I know y'all think I've probably lost my mind. We bind together in this room right now. We say, in the name of Jesus, I command this to be done on the earth. And when we walk out and turn on our radio in the car, news all over the world. People just got up out of their beds in the hospital. This is all done. This thing is finished. Like, could you imagine that? Just walk out like, we don't know what happened. The virus just disappeared. How long do you think it would take people that were at ease in Zion before this thing hit? 
to be right back at ease. Isaiah 58 is another chapter in the Bible that the Lord is saying, you're cold-hearted, you've walked away from me, you've been fasting with the wrong motives, you've been doing this for men to look at you, and the Lord's saying, get your heart right with me, and then I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to treat you good. Everybody wants that blessing of being the well-watered, you know, we, oh, hey, we want that. We want God to rest on us. But you understand what he's saying is that if, if this is going to be how you're known as blessed and all, you've got some things. You've got to come back to me. You've got to get down on your face and get some things squared up with me and get right with me. Church family, listen to me. We cannot be praying for the coming of the Lord as our escape plan out of trouble in this world. Heaven is not our exit strategy. If it would have been, then Jesus would have said, when you pray, pray like this. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Is that what he said? What did he say? He said, when you pray, pray like this. Ready? Our Father who art in heaven. He's in heaven, so where does that put me? On earth. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Come where? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. I want to share with you a word the Lord gave me. I've shared it with you years ago when the Lord spoke it to me, but it was brought back to my remembrance. I was laying in bed one night in the middle of the night, and the Lord woke me up, and he spoke this word to me. He said, when my people long for heaven to come to earth, as much as they've longed to go to heaven, they'll finally go to heaven. I want everybody to think about what I just said. When my people long for heaven to come to earth, as much as they've longed to go to heaven, they'll finally go to heaven. Jesus did not pray, Lord, deliver us out of here with a rapture quickly. He said, I want you to pray that you can get yourself in alignment with the will of God. Because if you can't get yourself in alignment with the will of God and his will being done in earth as it is in heaven, if you can't keep yourself, my Lord, have mercy. How, how long does it take some of us to get cold? It's going to sound like I'm on my soapbox. And I'm not going to preach hard, Mom. But I was talking to a pastor friend of mine that's going, man, They'd just been going through the ringer. Bishop, he started telling me about people in his church right now. He, he told me about a, a, another pastor that pastors a few hours away from him. He said in the last few weeks, he's had like seven families just walk out of the church. Just say, we're not, we're not coming back. And I thought, How in the world would you choose right now? Am, am I ringing a bell with anybody right now? Like if I was going to decide to do something silly and get cold with God, probably should have probably done that about four months ago. Because right now, man, 
that window of temptation comes by my life and I'm like, oh, absolutely not. No, thank you. I'm not interested at all. No, thank you. You just walk by a poster hanging up of some stupid satanic movie. That's, you're like, oh, absolutely not. I want nothing to do with it. Watch and pray. Lest you enter into temptation. If Jesus had to pray the prayer that the spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. Why in the world do you think we ought to be praying right now? I feel the Holy Ghost is screaming to us tonight. Quit praying for the Lord to come back so that you can get out of your trouble. Because trouble is the only thing that's keeping some people saved. Is this probably not what you had in mind for Wednesday night? If we're cold in our spirit, how many times does that narrative have to be spelled out in the scripture? The blessings of God are on a people. The favor of God's on people. They get their heart cold. They wax cold against the spirit of God. They turn their hearts against God. God raises the hedge off of them. Then they come to another season like this where he's saying, nope, you got to come back. If you don't come back, I'm going to let the enemy come in. I'm going to let the Assyrians come in. You just start naming them off one at a time. I'm going to let it come in. I'm going to let the Philistines come in. Just one after the other. Why is it happening? Why is it happening? Because they turned their hearts from God. This church went 53 days without an in-person service. And in that 53-day season, people backslid. Let the musicians come. I want you to think about that. 53 days. And what they had is not enough to make them last. So if this is not the answer, and this is not enough to wake up the North American church, what does the next picture look like? Any takers tonight? Men are waxing cold. Waxing cold in their hearts. Their spirits. Preachers. Just quit preaching truth. Intoxicated with Babylon. The sin of this world has choked out our pulpits. Told preachers. It ain't worth carrying the load. Well, you listen to what I'm telling you. It's worth carrying the load when you feel the eternal weight of what's going on in this, in this world right now. Because God is not coming back for a church that is less than it was when he left it. He's coming back for a church that's more in love with him than we've ever been. We're more in love with holiness than we've ever been. We're more in love with righteousness than we've ever been. We're more in love with truth than we've ever been. If we're still trying to figure out right now whether man has to be born again of water and the Spirit during this season, what's wrong with us? 
Pastors are really negotiating right now as to whether or not a man must be born again of water and the Spirit. Dear God, have mercy. I'm not taking the risk. If Jesus said, you got to be born again, then I'm going to preach it every week. you got to be born again of water and the Spirit. Because when Jesus comes back, what that book says to me is if you haven't been born again, you can't see the kingdom of heaven. The Lord shall guide thee continually. When? When does that take place? When you get your heart in alignment with his processes. When you turn from your evil deeds. Then the Lord shall guide thee continually. Shall satisfy thy soul in drought. Have you looked at any people in this season right now and thought, how in the world have those people just stayed spiritual? It's like they never lose their joy. They haven't lost their joy whatsoever. You want to know why? Because they're in alignment. The Lord is keeping them and satisfying their soul in drought, making fat thy bones. And thou shalt be as a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters fail not. I feel like tonight calling this church Probably one of the greatest wake-up calls that I've ever given in my lifetime of ministry. And I feel like the Lord sent me here on this Wednesday night, and I'm sure thankful that He did. I'm thankful that I have enough strength to be here tonight and to talk to you. But I feel like God sent me here for a specific reason. Bishop offered to preach several times, and I felt like I just needed to be here tonight and to call this church. I feel like there are some of us that if we're not careful, we're going to allow ourselves to fall asleep at the most critical time of the story. God is calling us to wake up. I felt the Lord deal with me and say specifically, I'm, I'm not going to be much longer, and I don't want you to think I'm going to try to drag this out. But the Lord dealt with me even this morning in prayer here, and he said, son, this is this time that we're living in right now. He said, this is going to require an entire reconstruction of our thought processes of what role the church plays in our lives. I said, Lord, what are you, what are you trying to tell me? And he said, there are still people right now, even in the midst of this pandemic and the darkness that's working in this earth, that are still trying to figure out how to fit the church into a certain schedule two days a week. And he said, I did not say that my house would be called a house of church attendance. I said that my house would be called a house of prayer. I prophesied to this church several years ago. I wish I had a record of when it was. But the Lord spoke to me and he said, there will come a day that not out of just because we, we, it's just what we want to see and because pastors are preaching, you're having good enough revival. He said, but out of necessity that our church doors will have to be open every single day. The church will not just be a place where we attend service, but it'll be a place where we have to come as our life source 
every single day to be sure that we're dwelling in the secret place of the Most High and abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. Church family, listen to me. In the next few weeks, God is going to begin to reconstruct some of your thinking processes. Please don't miss me right here because I'm not screaming this and preaching this. I'm here tonight by mandate of the Holy Ghost to tell you that when God starts reconstructing your kingdom thoughts and he starts reconstructing the way that you have looked at the church and viewed the church for perhaps even a lifetime, maybe some of you haven't been in the church for a long time and the church was kind of a way of escape for you too, that the Lord's brought you out of some things and gave you some relief. That's not what the church is all about. This is the only, you listen to this preacher when I tell you, this is the only vehicle there is to get to heaven. I'm sorry if people disagree with what I'm telling you right now, but it is a fact. Jesus Christ purchased the end time church to be the vehicle that got us from earth to glory. And if you're not in this vehicle, there is absolutely no other way than the church of the... I'm not saying this local church. I can hear it right now. Well, I heard, I heard Luke St. Clair said his church was the only place you could go to heaven from. Don't lie on me like that. I'm telling you that the church of the living God is the only way we're going to get out of here. There was a, there's a story, and I'm, I'm, I'm hurrying to a close. We, we're going to get out early, just thank God for it, but I feel like we're going to pray before we leave. There's a story that takes place in the Scripture. The Lord tells a story. He said that there was a rich man and there was a beggar named Lazarus. They both died, and you've read the story. For the sake of time, I'm just going to run through it. You know I won't lie to you about the story. It said that the Lazarus, the beggar, was carried to the bosom of Abraham, and the rich man went to hell. And while he was there in hell, he began to cry out to the Lord, and he said, oh, just somebody to touch their finger in water touch my tongue. How many of you read the story? And he says, Lord, is there any way that you could send Abraham or somebody to go tell my brothers? And the Lord said, if they wouldn't listen right now, he said, what in the world makes you think me sending somebody from the dead would convince them? And the Lord said, this is the exact spirit that's going on right now. We're saying, Lord, flex your muscles. Show everybody that the church is greater than this sickness. Let's close this chapter and move on so that people will come running to you. If they hadn't ran to him in the seasons of revival that we've had, do you honestly think that him making trouble vanish? is going to turn this world into just an upheaval, a fiery revival. It's not going to work that way. Somebody's going to have to get a made-up mind that if everybody else in my family, my work, where, I don't care if everybody else in my family chooses to be lost, 
I choose to be saved. If ever one of my children choose to be lost, I choose to be saved. Are you hearing this preacher tonight? If my husband or my wife decide not to be saved and they choose to be lost, I choose to be saved. I choose to be in the house of God every time the doors are open. I choose to make my life a life of prayer. I choose to make my life a life of dedication. If I've got to exhaust every breath and every piece of energy I've got in this world to be saved, I've got to do it because I've got to be saved. I'm calling this church tonight. I'm, I'm, I'm pleading with you with everything that's within me tonight. Those that are at ease in Zion, it's time for us to get up out of our ease. It's time for us to get up out of our slumber. It's time for us to declare this is not something that we're waiting on another chance at revival. We're not waiting on God to get rid of this and give us another fresh start. If he does, that'd be great. If he does, I'd be thankful for it. But if he doesn't, what are we going to do? We've got to be saved when the Lord comes back. I'm asking you if you would right now to just submit your spirits to the Lord. There was a marked moment in this service when the Holy Ghost moved in and Bishop made reference to it when he stepped to the pulpit. And that spirit that moved in this house earlier in the middle of this service has not lifted off of this room. God is trying to work and move in this house right now. Mm. Oh. You're going to kill yourself trying to drag people to the rapture that don't want to go. You can't spend your lifetime trying to make people want to love the Lord more than you want them to love the Lord. I don't want to sound selfish to you at all tonight. Understand that I'm not going to neglect my post as the shepherd of this church. I'm going to preach and teach to you every single week. But I've already made up my mind. If every single person in this church is lost, I'm going to be saved. God's going to use this church in this end time hour. If we'll hang on, let our light shine. God's going to let our light shine extremely bright in this dark day. But some of you have been wrestling with sins and addictions and questions in this dark season of life trying to figure out whether or not this is a good time to get rid of it. It absolutely is high time that we get rid of it. Make up our minds what we're going to do tonight. Come on, I hear the Holy Ghost saying it tonight. Quit counting the cost. Quit trying to figure out what you're going to have to lay down to live for God and just live for God. Quit trying to figure out how much it's going to cost you if you do and just live for God. Oh, Rabba Satayo, Lobo Koshetan.